and welcome to this week seven edition of Between the Horns. If you're joining us on social and digital channels live, good morning. Or if you're enjoying the podcast a bit later in the day, glad you found us. We do this every Thursday. I'm JB Long and joined by team reporter for the Rams, Serena Morales. How's your week been, Serena? Solid. I'm just, I'm, as you said earlier, I'm excited that we have an extra 24 hours given it's Monday Night Football. That's right. It does pace the week out just a little bit. And there's our Super Bowl champion, DeMarco Farr, working on his sight words, the wall behind you. Thank you. You got to practice, man. It's all about <laughs> fundamentals, right? You know, I can. I can go to the bathroom. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us for the first time, a former NFL tight end, my friend and colleague from the Pac-12, also does great work for Fox Sports, Evan Moore, who just so happens to be Nick Foles' brother-in-law. So we'll get to that a bit later on, he's going to give us the full family scouting report. How are you, Evan? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I uh, This is cool because I, I grew up in Southern California, and I was a Rams fan back when the Rams were playing home games in Anaheim. Like, I grew up a big Rams fan, right? Then they go to St. Louis, and they come back. Um, so this is a great time to be a Southern California sports fan, too, given the start for the Rams. And you guys are probably as locked in as I am to the Dodgers in the World Series, too. So these are uh, these are good times for SoCal sports, that's for sure. Yeah, 1-1 one, one against the Rays. All right, Serena, as you know, the Rams sit at 4-2 and two now. Another primetime matchup awaits. Good to be back at SoFi Stadium. Monday night football against the 5-1 and one Chicago Bears. So some NFC playoff implications. Before we break down that matchup, as always, let's see what we learned from a week ago. The loss of the 49ers. Take it away. Yeah, I mean, overall, right? We saw that the offense just wasn't what they we've seen them be this season. They couldn't get anything together. So was it one of those just off games? I mean, the Rams were held to just under 200 yards passing for the second time this season. Goff was off. He completed a season low, 19 passes, 50% completion, a season low as well. I also would just like to add in Cooper Cup. I mean, a guy that we look at and we're like, save us, had three receptions for 11 yards. Evan, I would love your thoughts. Well, so watching that game, like going into that game, I felt like, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but it felt like to me, you can call the Niners desperate, but it also felt like a team that was getting healthy kind of mm -hmm. at the right time. And because you know, we have to think back to what we expected of the Niners to start the season, right? Before Richard Sherman got hurt, before Nick Bosa got hurt, and before some guys on offense got hurt. And I don't know that two and three was indicative of what this team really was. And so what I was interested to see is getting those guys back and getting them healthy and seeing how they perform. But on the defensive side of the ball, it was it was interesting to see Jared struggle at times, given the Niners' lack of pass rush. Um, they were just effective playing coverage. And I think that makes this upcoming week interesting because the Bears have also proven um, they're really good at playing coverage, but they also will generate an effective pa uh, pass rush with their front four. So that, that element of this matchup this week, I'm really interested to see. But so much of it, Serena, as you know, and all you guys know, playing quarterback is um, – finding like there's two different ways for a quarterback to beat a defense in my mind it's with their mind or with their legs right and beat pressure how do they do it so guys like Russell Wilson they do it with both um, but guys like Nick Foles and Jared Goff they tend to do it more with their mind than with their legs and there are some games where defensively um, you know defensive coordinators will out scheme guys right and they'll make it really difficult for them to find easy completions and quarterbacks just never hit rhythms and sometimes that stuff can kind of perpetuate itself over the course of the game and just kind of snowball and before you know it just not an effective outing, you know, for whatever reason. So um, it's just kind of learning from those things and trying to find ways to beat, beat those kind of coverage issues that you face over the course of a game. When you say, you know, rhythm, Evan, like both you and DeMarco, former players, DeMarco, to me, right, you have four road games in a five-game stretch. 
is it like the vacation after the vacation? Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm totally fine. No, wait, I need to sleep for another five days when I get home. You know, look, I believe Coach McVay when he says it doesn't matter where we play or when we play or who we play. And so I never give that road stuff any kind of credence. But maybe, look, you started slow on both sides of the football. San Francisco, like he said, played desperate. They were the better football team in the first half. They out-hit you on both sides of the ball. So uh, it was rough. Um, By the time you found your mojo, you know, Kyle Shanahan's got a lead at home. That's tough. You know, Um, if you look at any coordinator – Andy Reid is probably the guy where you say, I need points here. That's the guy you'd probably pick. But for any head coach or coordinator that needs to just get 10 yards to salt the game away, I'm taking Shanahan nine times out of 10. So, yeah, I mean, that's what happened. So you maybe the road got to him, but when you turn on the film, the 49ers were the faster, stronger, tougher team on game day. Well, that being said, DeMarco, after that tough offensive performance in week six, now the Rams welcome one of the best defenses in the league. And we've seen this team in each of the past two years. We've seen them with Vic Fangio. We've seen them with Pagano. We've seen them with and without Akeem Hicks. We've seen them with and without Danny Trevathan in the cold in Chicago in the Coliseum here in Los Angeles. It doesn't matter. Both times they've been a headache. How come? You know, they're just so dang big up front, JB, to be honest. I mean, if you look at Akeem Hicks and just look at his measurables, 6'5", 352 pounds. That's what he's listed at. But then you look at his production chart the guy's got 37 sacks in his career so he's not just big he's skillful as well but they eat up a lot of space him and Bilal Nichols in in the in the middle and then they have two good linebackers in the middle and Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan they just clean everything up and oh by the way they've got Khalil Mack so when you start talking about the best defensive guys at least the ones that put their hands down to make a living you'll talk about AD you'll talk about Watt and you also got to bring up this guy Khalil Mack so He seems to have found a home on that left side, and he's just a wrecking machine. And like Evan said, they don't have to do a lot with with Pagano's defense. They rush four, they play coverage, and they get to you with four. They're a dangerous defense, they're tough to move, and they're just – they play nasty. I love the way – I love to watch them play. Yeah, guys, when I think of the Bears, I think back uh, watching Nick with the Eagles go and play the Bears in the playoffs in 18 towards the end of the season – and my biggest concern going into that game, like DeMarco's saying, is the Bears are effective at both getting the passer and stopping the one run when bringing four, right? They don't have to get very creative with linebackers or blitzes or bringing guys out of the secondary to add into pressure. And when you do that, like think about this. When you, when you can put pressure on the quarterback with your front four, much like the Rams can more often than not, when you effectively do that and you still have seven guys in coverage, sometimes even eight guys in coverage, uh, where do you throw the football? Right, Because this is the NFL. We're talking about guys on the back end like Kyle Fuller, uh, Eddie Jackson, even the rookie Jalen Johnson on the other side. Um, it makes it much easier for them when they know they have help behind them and they're not, they're not sacrificing coverage to put pressure on the quarterback or stop the run. And so that's what makes this team so formidable, right? And Akeem Hicks is probably one of the more underrated tackles in the league. You don't hear people talk about him very often. And that position in particular, especially as we see with Aaron Donald every week, given, well, I think he's off to the best six-game start of his career at this point. DeMarco, I don't know if you agree with this, but I, I've thought this as long as I've been watching football, that I think the interior defensive tackle position, if you get a guy that can both stop the run and put pressure on the passer from the interior of the defensive line, I think that's the most important position on the field outside of quarterback. Oh, I love because you. Of, I love you. It, it, I mean, I'm not – and a guy that I realize given what you know, your background, but it affects every other position on the field, right? I mean, they're like – I was told way back in college. Now, this was just a, a D-line coach pumping us up, but – 
it's actually true. A good three technique or a good defensive tackle can dominate the game. No question. Everyone. So, yeah, yeah. as long as Akeem Hicks is doing his thing, as long as AD is doing his thing, it's tough for anybody to do anything out there against him. Well, you guys um, share some love over the defense. I would like to get briefly to our offense. I really do think, like, who has the edge here, right? Because if you're going defense versus defense, then now we've got to look at the other side of the ball. Um, the Bears had just 261 total yards versus Carolina. Uh, I could see, I don't know, the Rams, to me, have to get on the scoreboard early. In both losses, the Rams were unable to get on the board in the first quarter. Evan, do you kind of see that in the same vein? Like, hey, let's get these guys going early against a good defense? Yeah, well, I think both offenses are obviously facing really good defenses, and it's a challenge, right? So if I could start with the Bears real quick, I think the challenge for them is this winning formula they've had so far at 5-1. and one. It's fair to ask if it's sustainable, right? Because you're looking at them and you're saying, well, it's not a very efficient offense, right? It's towards the bottom of the league in a lot of categories. The defense has played well. Uh, they've beaten four teams that are under 500. The only, the only over 500 team they beat is Tampa. And that was not a pretty game. So can the Bears sustain this and be able to get a win against the Rams? It's a fair question to ask. And what I think it comes down to, given their inefficiencies offensively, like they're not a threat to run the football. They're really not. I mean, David Montgomery's a good player, um, but what they do offensively up front, uh, they're not giving him much room. And so they constantly get themselves in second and 10, third and 10 situations. And so, I mean, they love to run the ball in first down. And it, as a viewer, drives me nuts sometimes, right? So... My hope going into this game is that Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor, their offensive coordinator, kind of reassess and say, look, right, so far this year, we've called our offense like we're a well-balanced offense, right? We'll try to run it on first down. Then we'll go play action second down. It's like, guys, the opponent does not respect your run game, right? So what I would like to see them do is get Nick in the gun more often, let him kind of read and react to what's going on, spread the field out a little bit. That's when I think like towards the end of the Atlanta game, now Atlanta's got loads of issues too defensively, but that's when I think they're at their best. Right. And that's what I think gives Nick the best chance to be successful. So can they do that against the Rams? I mean, the Rams are going to have a good front four, obviously have a good front four. And the thing that Nick understands the best about wearing down front fours, DeMargo can probably attest to this too. Like defensive guys have to chase the football. That's what they're coached to do. So Nick likes spreading the, spreading the field out against a good pass rush and getting the ball out quickly to the perimeter because those guys got to chase. Right. And he likes to get moving and wear those guys down. So I really hope they don't say, hey, let's huddle after every play. You're just giving guys like Aaron Donald all day to get to get their breath and come after you. So it on paper, I think pro this thing probably favors the Rams as far as their ability to, to produce offensively. But if the Bears can tweak some things this week offensively, schematically and philosophically and re remember that, you know, we're just not a, we're not a threat to effectively run the football on a regular basis. Um, I think they got a chance to surprise some people this week. Let's dip into our Rams uh, fan mailbag. And this week, a lot of the conversation is what's going on with Cam Akers. He's healthy, but played just one snap and did not have a touch against the 49ers. Uh, DeMarco, what do you think? Is his time coming? Because uh, I don't know. There's a lot of responsibility against this pass rush of the Chicago Bears that I think Malcolm Brown is well suited for. Oh, no doubt. I mean, Malcolm, this is a Malcolm type game. It's going to be down and dirty. You're going to have to take on some of these linebackers when they do bring pressure. But yeah, I mean, Cam Akers, it's, his time is coming. I think maybe last week or on Sunday night, he would have gotten some burn if the Rams offense could have stayed on the field a little bit longer in that second half. And the, the play calling wasn't so disjointed. So and think about it. You really had to cover up for a defense that was just giving up chunk yardage to the 49ers. So a lot of that game plan went out the window. But at some point, Cam Akers is going to get in there. Daryl Henderson is doing well. Uh, he's running. Uh, he's, he's very explosive when he gets the rock. And Malcolm Brown is, like you said, is very consistent. And you can count on him in, in pass protection. But 
Cam Akers is kind of a do-it-all, and there's got to be a package for him. And look, it could be this week versus the Bears because I agree with everything Evan said, but put it to the Bears. You're going to have to make these guys go side to side. Screens are going to have to actually be called and work to, to pull these guys off the hash marks so you can make some money with either Robert Woods or Cooper Cup coming back. But Cam Akers at some point is going to factor in big to a game. Factor yeah, in big to the Rams win. His yards after contact and ability to break tackles is really unique. And this seems like the opportunity where that could really come in handy. I, I get the, the fan frustration, right? Because the top four draft picks from this class, we were all so high on Akers, Van, Lewis, Burgess, just 22 snaps combined. And here we're getting to the midway point of the season. It's like, where's this rookie class? Um, it's still six round pick Jordan Fuller at safety, who's made the biggest impact and he's on the shelf. I think part of it is a nice luxury to have because of the relative health of this roster, you haven't had to thrust those young players into larger roles, but it does feel like sooner or later they're going to sink or swim and their time is coming. I, I feel like that for Burgess, who got good reps against Kittle, uh, certainly for Lewis, who now has two games under his belt, uh, and Akers, I feel like, as the, the lead pick of this draft class, is eventually going to start to take over a bigger piece of the pie. The one I want back more than anything is Lewis that outside linebacker. I think you have a big hole at outside backer and his name should be on that starting lineup. So at some point, let's hope to get him back in there. We're going to jump quickly to rapid fire. We're going to roll through a bunch of different topics and matchups heading into Monday night football against the bears. Evan, I'm going to start with you, Nick Foles, you know him well, well, better than any of us. What makes him so successful when I watch their game against the Panthers? Like to me, he's very good at getting rid of the ball quickly. We don't want a quarterback to hold onto the ball. Um, what do you see in him? No, Serena, you're right. I mean, it, like I said, it goes back to uh, when you're when you're evaluating quarterbacks, um, beating pressure. That's what it comes down to, typically on third down. Right now, the Bears have caught themselves in far too many third and longs. But when you do see pressure, how do you beat pressure? Like we talk about this in college football all the time. Does a guy beat pressure with his legs or with his mind? Now, the great ones can do it with both, like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, uh, Pat Mahomes. Nick is a prototypical pocket passer. Right? He'll be the first one to tell you, like, I'm not beating pressure with my legs. Um, but his strength is that he likes to play. He always talks about it. He likes to play in the gray, meaning he doesn't want to go to the line of scrimmage and be told, like, I need to go, like, I am going there with the ball before, this, before the ball is snapped. He likes to read and react. And what that implies is that he's really good at processing things behind the line of scrimmage as they unfold. And his whole career, no matter where he's been, he's always pushed for the flexibility to do that, both pre and post snap. He's wanted the flexibility. He, he just he drives him nuts when offensive coordinators are on him from the sideline. Like, this is where I want you to go with the ball because he feels like his strength is beating pressure by seeing things happen and unfold. And so I think that's a big part of it. And the other thing, like I, like I referenced earlier, is just understanding the game and understanding your opponent defensively. So today, like this week, you got a guy in Aaron, Aaron Donald where it's not in your best interest to have like, big, like your big five to seven step drop back game or big play action. It's not going to work for him this week. That ball has to come out, right? And you got to move quickly too. Like you guys, when they were playing Tampa a couple of weeks ago, he was on the sideline and kind of had an animated exchange with Matt Nagy. And that whole thing was about let's go. Like when we get in the red zone and I see the defensive linemen with their hands on their knees or their hands on their or hands on their waist, like keeling over, let's move. Let's not huddle, right? Because that's that that gives us a chance to get rid of the pass rush and get moving. And I think you're going to see more of that this week. And so the answer to your question really just comes down to his just a good understanding of what his limitations are and what he's facing with the, with his opponent trying to exploit it. And then – Marco, That's it. Oh. I, I could go on forever about it, but that's it. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> that, that was a Zoom cutoff. Sorry, Evan. Uh, I was going to ask DeMarco, like, aside from telling the defense that the uh, game kicks off at 1130 this week, how do we get the second-half defense to show up from the kickoff? 
Well, look, you got to play better up front. That's number one. If you go back and look at that San Francisco tape, they were absolutely mauled on first and 10, and they couldn't get the 49ers to third down. So when you did trap Garoppolo in those third and 15s, you actually got pressure. So same with Nick Foles this week. You've got to tackle well on the perimeter. You can't give up yards. You can't miss tackles. Set up those second and long, third and longs, and trap him in a situation where he has to drop back to five and seven and then let Aaron Donald lead. So the game plan this week is help out 99. Make your plays when they come to you and set up a big third down, and you will get off the field versus this offensive line, no doubt. But you've got to get lined up. You've got to be ready to play when the ball is snapped, and you can't make mistakes, and you can't have silly penalties. So if you make your tackles on the perimeter, you set up 99 for a big day. For both of you, uh, and JB, I'm sure you've got some good insight here. AD and Khalil Mack, both drafted in 2014, both have played 100 games. If we redrafted the 2014 draft, took the top five, I would love to hear each of you who you got. Uh, to give you some reference, Khalil Mack went five, Taylor Lewan went 11, OBJ went 12, AD went 13, Demarcus Lawrence went 34, Devontae Adams 53, Jadavian Clowney number one in 2014. <laughs> Can we just take 81? Of course. Are we biased here? <laughs> really? What kind of question is that? <laughs> this guy's going for his third, uh, you know, defensive MVP award. Of course you take him number one. I mean, I think Clowney drops a little bit. Khalil Mack may even rise. But, yeah, I mean, is it any question that you would take 99, number one? Look, I'm trying to be unbiased as I wear this Rams hoodie here, Okay. <laughs> I can be, I'll be objective. DeMarco and agree with you. I don't think there's any question. He's number one. And I would take Khalil number two. I wouldn't take any skill players in the top five of this draft. Like I'd take Taylor Luan. I'd take uh, Zach Martin and then Jadavian Clowney number five. I wouldn't take any skill players. Aaron Donald, like I said before, I, 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 like I say this all the time, like what he does interior pass rush and stop the run. I mean, that is, that's a franchise. He's a top three player in the league. There's no question in my mind. Just like give him the award. Yeah. I'm obviously trading all of my picks to get up to one for, for Aaron Donald. Uh, if I have any capital left, yes, I agree. Mac is probably two. I am taking skill guys. Like I'm going Mike Evans and OBJ and calling it a day. I might even layer in Jarvis Landry or Brandon Cooks or somebody and say, I'm set for the next eight years. Um, I know conventional wisdom says don't take guards this high. Don't take them over franchise tackles like Jake Matthews and Taylor Lewan. But I like the name Zach Martin that one of you dropped in there because he's maybe the best one in the game. And if I have a chance to get a perennial pro bowler to, to anchor down that line, that's that's a tough one to let fall out of the top five. But for not having like a true high end elite tight end, like Carr's had a nice career. Bortles had some good moments. Um, Teddy Bridgewater. But for not being a quarterback heavy class, man, this draft was rock solid. Zach JB. Martin is a horror film to watch on tape. Yeah, yes. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> JB, it's kind of funny because we're hitting uh, our last topic of the day, which is our Rams fantasy picks. And this whole game, I was like, man, I didn't get this win, but I think I still won this week. Uh, did you win? Bob. Yeah. Uh, you had Sam Samuel Sloman. Um, I picked Jared Goff. Yeah, just walk off. It's a great uh, <laughs> MJD picked Cooper Cup again, which I was like, there's no way that you go wrong with a Cooper Cup. But he had three receptions for 11 yards. And we had Andrew Siciliano, who had Fan Jefferson, who had one reception for eight yards. So we're kind of clearing the slate here. We're going into Monday Night Football. Um, what is your fantasy pick, DeMarco Farr? Let's go. Did I pick Johnny Hecker? No. 
right? <laughs> That's no points. No, I mean, he's going to factor in big in this game, definitely, a field position battle with the Bears. So Johnny Hecker's name is going to be all on this uh, win or loss. Um, but I'll go with Cooper Cup on the bounce back. Okay. Uh, yeah, I doubt if Cooper Cup uh, has slept much since Sunday night, so he can't wait to get back out. So can Jared Goff, so he's going to be more accurate. Uh, Cooper Cup's going to be Cooper Cup. I'll go with Cooper Cup as my fantasy pick. Evan? I almost went Robert Woods because I think, you know, I, I wondered if we'd see him line up against Jalen Johnson, who actually has been pretty good this year, the rookie on the outside. Um, but I'm going to lean base, mostly because of what the Bears do defensively and how good they've been against the pass. When we talked about earlier about why that is. Um, I'm going to leave Daryl Henderson, A, because I have him, and B, because there have been times this year where defensively I felt like the Bears are not quite great yet because they've struggled at times to stop the run. There's been, there's been times where teams have been able to get some rhythm in the run game. So that, that's been a little bit concerning at times for the Bears defense. I think that stopped them from being like in the top three in total defense in the league. Uh, so I'm going to leave Daryl Henderson. I think he might he might be able to get a couple um, once they get inside the red zone. I think it's definitely possible. Especially if you can get him isolated on a linebacker in coverage. As good as these linebackers have been in certain respects, I think covering from the linebacker level might be the only deficiency right now in this Bears defense. Um, I like the cup pick too. Uh, the emotional bounce back, yes. Buster Screen struggling in coverage at age 31 in the slot. I think that's a good matchup for whoever gets him. But I think I am – actually obligated by between the horns rules to double down on kickers and go with Kai Forbath this week. So oh, all right. I dig I'll, that. I'll play it down the line. JB to hear you say that Buster Screen is a 31 year old and struggling because of his age, that makes me feel old because he was a rookie when I was in Cleveland. I realized wow. wow he is getting old. So therefore I am getting old. Yes. Thank you. Well we're all struggling in our old age in different ways, but the NFL world is very relative in that regard. <laughs> You know what, Evan, even in your old age, however old you are, I will give you wise wisdom um, because I'm actually going to pick. I had Daryl Henderson going into this game. I know you guys thought that maybe Malcolm Brown would have a good game against the Bears, but Daryl Henderson leads the Rams in carries, uh, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns. He ranks 19th in carries, 18th in rushing yards this season. Henderson has 80 plus rushing yards of his uh, last five games, three in his last five games. Mm. The Bears have allowed three players to rush for 80-plus yards this season. Ronald Jones, Adrian Peterson, and Todd Gurley. We just dropped Todd Gurley to pick up a Cam Akers and give space to Daryl Henderson to see what he's doing. Adrian Peterson, I believe, is 8,000 years old, and Ronald Jones has two first names. So I'm going with Hendo. Let's go double down Daryl Henderson. And there's my fantasy pick. Um, that's it. Evan, I appreciate you coming on. DeMarco Farr, JB Long. That's a wrap for our week seven edition of Between the Horns. Rams take on the Bears. SoFi Stadium, Monday night football. 515 Pacific start. You can catch it on ESPN. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week for more Between the Horns.